King Wei Fox's beard lock is acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher Batless, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Cedar's cat, Kempex hat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are p.m. Eastern Coast time, and that means it's time for Trek Talking. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Let your fingers do the walking and give us a call right now. We'll get you on the air. We'd love to hear from you. What are we talking about tonight? Well, we're going to talk about the season finale of Strange New Worlds, A Quality of Mercy. And boy, was that a good one. Captain Pike meets Captain Kirk. Captain Pike meets Admiral Admiral Pike. Captain Pike meets the Romulans. He meets all kinds of people. We're going to break it down, and we're going to talk about it. So you definitely don't want to miss that. But we also have for you convention calendar, fan shout-outs, our Star Trek birthdays, and, of course, Star Trek news as usual. So you want to stay tuned. Before we get too far um, into things, though, I just want to let you know that we have, uh, what is the number, 106,279 followers on our Facebook page. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for making that happen. And you can head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash truck talking and beyond. Spell that all out. Give us a like. Give us a follow. You'll never miss a show. Tell us where you're from and maybe you will be mentioned in a future fan shout out. So before we get too too busy, let's introduce to you my truck experts. And we have our trifecta from Portland. First off, we have David the Donut Guy. How you doing tonight, David? Hey, can you hear me? We can hear you. We can hear you. Great. Can I'm you hear doing us? great. Oh, yeah. Did you, bring, did you bring enough donuts for everybody this time? Uh, unfortunately not. It's a little too warm oh. for me. Oh, man. <laughs> That's okay. We'll let you stay. If they had we'll order for, uh, donuts for order, I could probably totally order them, but no, they don't. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let you stay this time. And we also have, hailing from Portland as well, we have with us our very own Paul the Wine Guy. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing okay, Uncle Jim. It's been a busy day and a crazy week, and I'm just finally sitting down. And I'll tell you, a glass of wine sounds like a really good idea right now because uh, enough polishing of the Bussard collectors or whatever the hell else I've been assigned to do today. I'm done. I don't have any more tasks. I'm done. Have I want to talk about uh, crazy Star Trek. Cling on blood wine and relax. Pretty simple. Sounds good. All right, chill. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, rounding out our trifecta from Portland with us, as always, is our one and only Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? 
Hey, I'm doing great, except I'm a little jealous that Paul got the Boussard collectors. I got the Holodex, um, so I feel like I got the short end of the stick on that one. Uh, yeah, well, well you know, at least I got outside. <laughs> you know, not theoretically outside, but actually outside. So, you know, it's a, it's a hell of talk- a view, big guy. That's right. That's right. Ready to talk some Trek here, boys. Let's do it. It's going to be fun, and let's round out all of my awesome truck spurts from Las Vegas, the one, the only, Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. It's definitely uh, summer weather, because we're getting the monsoons today. It hit, I think, 108 today. Now it's somewhere in the 90s. What? Cloudy and might be raining outside. I can't quite tell. Wow. Well, you know, it is what it is. And lots guess, of right? lightning. Yep. It is what it is. I, I, I will tell you this, though, Charles, true. You're not alone <laughs> because yesterday at about 3.30 or 4 o'clock, I'm driving home from work, and all of a sudden the sky just it looked like someone just blocked out the sun. It got dark like in a few seconds, flashes of lightning, the sky opened up, the rain was coming down so hard, it was coming down sideways, the wind was blowing, hail was bouncing off the car, I couldn't even see out the windshield, because the windshield wipers couldn't flat fast enough to clear the windshield, and then, oh, about five minutes later, sky opened up, the sun came out, and it was over, it was the weirdest thing, totally Thor weird, came by. it was Thor, it was the yeah. weirdest it, thing, but but how many weird. how many weather events do you say that was the weirdest thing to these days? It's like at least fifty percent for me. That is weird. That's weird. So it's weird, man. Weird is regular. Let's 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 do some fan shout outs. How does that sound? Sound good? Outstanding. I think so. So listen, guys, if you would like to hear your name immortalized for all of eternity bouncing around space on these radio waves, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Right at the top of the page, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper. And just drop in there and tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then you're going to be immortalized and you want to tune in for the next show so you can hear your name called off. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, uh, our very first fan shout-out tonight goes out to Renee Schellinger from West Zahn in the Netherlands. That's right, right there in the middle of Europe. Renee is listening to us and carrying the Trek Talking Torch. We really appreciate you listening to us, and thank you so, so much for supporting Trek Talking. Um, So hello to you. Uh, We just shift a little bit east, and we say, hey, Michael Eltsofen is over there in Israel listening to us. So, Michael, we're saying hello to you and Kapwa, and thank you very much for listening to us over there on uh, in Israel. Uh, lots of cool weather, I'm sure, this time of year. <laughs> lots of warm weather this time of year over there, I would assume. Uh, we're also saying hello this week to Kaya Lovera down in Mexico, sends us a little Mexican flag icon. So, Kaya, thank you very much for listening to us and for supporting Trek Talking. We're also saying hello to Zachariah Halididi in Marseille, France. I understand they have some pretty fine wines over there. So, Zachariah, perhaps 
you partake on a regular basis, who knows? But Marseille is a place that I would like to go that I have never been. Paul, you've probably been to Marseille, haven't you? In my dreams, baby. Oh man! So it's one. Of I have not gotten maybe, there yet. I have not maybe, gotten there yet. Badly. Maybe a future, maybe a future Trek talking show from Marseille. We'll have to see Zechariah. We'll give you a buzz. Just point me at it, man. I'm ready to hook up and we'll go meet our friend and let's do it. But uh, that go. to me sounds great. I'll buy all the wine and cheese. How Love about it. That? Love it. All right. We're also saying hello. Uh, last on my list to Peter Yastrzemski. Uh, over there in Canterbury, England, just across the pond, we have lots of folks who uh, support us over there in the UK, and Canterbury is a fine area. I understand, never been there myself, but Peter, we're saying hello to you and sending out a big live long and prosper. Charles, speaking of live long and prosper, why doesn't Subcommander Charles take the torch from me now? <laughs> Let's start off with M. Gabbert from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Top fan, Jason Carter from Quebec, Canada. Blake and Trophy Ketchum from Central Pennsylvania. If your middle name is really Entropy, that is awesome, Blake. I just, like, that's such a cool middle name. Yeah, I did a head snap on that one myself, (laughs) man. I'm like, like, wow, that's cool. The very first, this is. The very first Star Trek book I ever read was The Entropy Effect. Oh, sure, yeah. First yeah. one. I yeah. walked to the, That's the, a good... the uh, pharmacy there, then, and I saw it on the shelf, and I said, a Star Trek book, and I bought it. First one I ever bought and read, The Entropy That. Yeah, I don't remember it, but I, I remember reading it. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember reading it. <laughs> I definitely remember the cover of that book, and um, it's funny, not to digress too much, but I'm reading an Ursula Le Guin book right now called The Lathe of Heaven, and she talks about how entropy uh, is like the spice of life, because as long as there's life, there's always change, and change fuels life, and as soon as you don't have change anymore, you just have stagnation, and entropy stops, and the universe dies, so there you go. That's your big, heady topic. Sounds like something Captain Kirk would say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have to fight or there's no change. We're stagnation. Prime directive be damned. I'm going to make sure that our friend Blake helps us keep things going. Thank you, Blake. (laughs) Okay. We've also got Terry Donda from Seattle, Washington, up above the Portland crew. And Jamie Flores from Chicago, Illinois. Tweet home, Chicago. Oh, who's on your list? Well, friends, it's a global fan community, and a lot of folks on various points of the compass and longitudes and latitudes have been tuning in and checking out (laughs) track talking, including Peter Schwerkmann from Uncle Rhineland Palatine in Germany. Uh, Peter, I almost said Rhineland Palpatine there for a second, but that would be another <laughs> franchise. I caught myself in time, so I don't want to like cause any chaos. I don't want to rattle anyone's dilithium crystals, do I? No, but Peter, <laughs> thank you for listening to us in that magical corner of the world. It is excellent to know you're out there. Moving uh, a little bit over a couple of orders there, uh, wonderful uh, greetings from uh, Fabio Liberani in Faenza in Italy, the wonderful region of Emilia Romana. 
That is a place I am dying to go. There's so many good mm-hmm. wines from Emilia Romana. Oh, my God. La Stoppa, uh, Pignoletto, mm. uh, Bergiantini, Sangiovese, Brischella, Sacamato. I mean, you, you name it, guys. It's just some fantastic wines there. So I don't know how you find time to uh, check out Trek Talking, Fabio, with all the food and wine and cuisine of your region, but... You certainly are balancing it all well. So here's to you. And then we're going to move ourselves down to the uh, other end of the globe on the other part of the hemisphere. And uh, a great adieu to uh, Link Pottinger in New Zealand. He doesn't say which, uh, if he's on the North Island or the uh, South Island there, Link. But uh, wherever you are, I'm just grateful that you're out there listening to us. So thank you so much, my friend. And then we have to spin this globe. I'm going to get whiplash because we are going from one end of the equator to the other. (laughs) We're back in Europe again. My goodness. We're back to Cork, Ireland, to Silas Greenbach, who's got his flag waving there in support of his lovely homeland and his enthusiasm for all things Star Trek. Absolutely fantastic. Rounding things off, in uh, we're always talking about, oh, it's so hot. Oh, my goodness. What a hot day. But that's nothing compared to what our next guest experiences. Uh, big shout out, big kapla, big thank you for listening to Mike Pilas in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, my friend. You are living in paradise, man. And when you are also including Trek talking in your paradise, things are just that much more idyllic and awesome. So all of you in your various uh, corners of this magical globe, thanks for keeping the enthusiasm of Star Trek alive and for uh, sharing it with us uh, here on the show and the Facebook page. Jim, what you got going on over there, big guy? Who you want to say? I got a a couple of people right here from New England, actually. First, we have great people from Massachusetts, USA, and we have S. Anthony Green from Boston, Massachusetts. So uh, they're digging into the baked beans while they're listening to Trek Talk. And so thanks for listening to both of you guys. We have top fan Fabian Gallo from Buenos Aires, Argentina. We have another, actually, I got all top fans here. We got another top fan, Junior Nelson from Fresno, California. And last, but definitely not least, our final top fan, Kim Farnack from South Australia. Good eye, mate. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if Kim knows the dude. I'm sure of it. I'm positive. Got to. She must. It can't, I mean, like, that, that That region can't, I mean, it's only Australia. It can't be that big, right? It's only a <laughs> continent. <laughs> no, I mean. That's more kangaroo. Leave it alone. Sorry. They all look alike, don't they? I just, I'll never, I'll, I will, as, as long as I live, I, I will never forget the dude calling from Australia. That Jim, even I, I have to tell you that I am still hopeful that one of these days we will still, get, we will get him back and literally this guy will call and he'll be like, I am the dude from Australia. And we'll just, uh, that will be one of the greatest days in track talking ever. It's going to happen. I'm telling you. It, it will. It will. May, well, maybe Kim knows the dude and can have him call. <laughs> yeah, please you know, call. Have t- tell dude to call us so we can give dude <laughs> the proper name that he needs. <laughs> We'd love oh. to call you something other than dude, man. 
because you so provide a lot of content for our show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that, that wraps up our first part of the show, but we have so much more. We've got Star Trek birthdays coming up. Uh, we've got some Star Trek news. We've got our convention calendar. So uh, don't touch that dial. Uh, we'll be right back. Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger, at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. Don't miss Fandom Fest New York featuring special guests, vendors, artists, esports, tabletop games, and so much more. Fandom Fest, a unique con experience at Proctor's, August 12th through 14th. And that's going to be Proctor's, New York, by the way, in Schenectady, New York, which uh, we happened to mention on last week's show. And the reason why we mention that is because yours truly is going to be at that convention. So you guys can stop by if you're in the area. And uh, say hello to yours truly, Uncle Jim. I'll be there. And the following week, I will be with Eric for the first time ever at Trekkanaroga. So we, we got at both ends of the week there. So anyways, we're back. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it is. And, and uh, we also have with us, by the way, uh, someone we haven't had with us in a while, but we're glad that she took the time out of her busy schedule to join us, we have our very own Shannon with us. How are you doing tonight, Shannon? <laughs> I am doing great. I love I'm your very own Shannon. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> there is no other. There is only Apparently. you. Apparently. That's one. awesome. <laughs> the only. That's right. Part of the Star Trek family. So uh, this is the part of the show, guys, where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and we've got some good ones tonight, to tell you the truth. We've got some really good ones, uh, some really important ones, some really unique ones. So this is a really, this is going to be a really fun uh, Star Trek birthday segment. But before we do that, we have to hear from Grumpy Wharf. That was not a Klingon song. And as I said earlier, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Put that in speed dialing. Let your fingers do the walking and give us a call. So we always start out our Star Trek birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, uh, this week we have quite a few remembrances. Uh, it's that midsummer thing. Uh, so our first remembrance is going out to Lisa Baines, who, of course, played 
Dr. Renhoy in DS9's episode Equilibrium, a very excellent uh, DAX episode, in my opinion. Um, Lisa was also known for many guest appearances, including uh, Murder, She Wrote, uh, Spencer for Hire, Frasier, Six Feet Under, all of those great shows uh, from the mid-80s. So happy birthday to Lisa Baines. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Ron Glass, whose Star Trek credit includes Loken on Voyager's Nightingale. Um, but Ron Glass is known at least for two other franchises, major franchises as well. Uh, he was known as Detective Ron Harris on Barney Miller from 1975 through 1982. And whenever I hear book, I oh, yeah. uh, split my brain because uh, I, I see Discovery and I see Shepard Book from Firefly from the early 2000s. Uh, fantastic character, fantastic series. Of course, many of us believe deserves many, many more uh, seasons, <laughs> I would assume Paul included. Uh, oh, so dude, happy- what a, I mean, yeah. it's just, uh, uh, he's the heart of that show in many, so many good. ways, right? I mean, he's just a, Shepard book is just amazing Literally. character. I still run into people all the time, you know, big, big science fiction fans who are like, I never watched Firefly, right? And I'm just like, oh my God, Whoa. you are like, I, I'm jealous because <laughs> it's like they've never, they still have that experience of, discovering those characters in front of them. I'm like, man, I'd love to watch that for the first time again because it was such a uh-huh. such a treat. Absolutely. Oh, can, a I, treat. can I yeah. make a confession here? Yeah. Uh, I was, uh-huh. I'm going to date myself. I was at the video store one day. It was uh-huh. Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, that's how long ago. I walk into Blockbuster Video with the wife, and I see up on the video shelf this brand-new release. And... Um, I go and I said, that looks interesting. It was um, Firefly the movie. Um, Serenity. What was it called? Serenity, yeah. Serenity, Serenity, yeah. I I rented it and I said, that looks interesting. And I went home and watched it. And I said, that was really cool. (laughs) Well, Firefly came and went so quick, I never even knew it was a TV show, actually. Uh It Mm -hmm. kind of flew right by, got canceled, and it was gone. So I watched Serenity and I said, wow. And then I went back. And I found uh-huh. Firefly, and I watched the whole series, and I don't know why they canceled it. <laughs> I really Good don't. Good Fox really mentality, good. man. Fox, uh-huh. they're the ones who did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You well, I'm after you, Jim, because yeah. I was actually at Star Trek, uh, sorry, New York Comic Con, and, and Nathan Fillion, and they were all there. My kids were like, you haven't watched Firefly? I'm like, no. So we had to watch it the next week. <laughs> this would have been, like, you know, mo- way more recently than that. <laughs> It was enjoyable. I liked it. Really well, yeah. Summer Glau is in it too, which she's awesome. So if you need anyways. something to if you need something to tide you over, there are some great comics that feature Firefly characters. So go check those out. But uh, hopefully one day we'll all get what the show actually deserves. So uh, including uh, well, no longer including Mister um, Ron Glass, but man, an integral, totally uh, excuse me, uh, part of that show. Totally integral. <laughs> I couldn't get the uh-huh. words out. Totally integral part of that show. So uh, moving along, happy birthday as well to Edward Wiley. Uh, Edward Wiley had a couple of different uh, appearances on Star Trek. He played Governor Vogue in TNG's episode, The Mind's Eye. And he also played a very excellent Cardassian in Gull Torin in the Deep Space Nine episode, Profit and Loss. Uh, Edward Wiley uh, was also way back in the day in 1981 made his film debut in guess what? Chariots of Fire, another fantastic movie. So 
Uh, Edward Wiley would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to Keith Andes, uh, who was one of the many orange-faced uh, folks. Uh, he played Akuda in TOS's episode, The Apple. Uh, interesting episode. Uh, he was actually uh, in the U.S. Army Corps uh, in World War II, so, uh, and actually has a connection to Lucille Ball. You should go check out. Uh, there's some, some cool trivia related to Keith Andes out there. So happy birthday, Keith Andes. Stephen Marlowe uh, would have had a birthday this week. He played the gangster Zabo in TOS's episode, A Piece of the Action, an episode that we love to talk about. Uh, Stephen Marlowe also appeared uh, in such television series as Ben Casey, Combat Bonanza, and Mission Impossible, and also Land of the Giants, which we've talked about a little bit on the show. So happy birthday to Stephen Marlowe. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Frank Corsettino, who played a few Ferengi, but most notably uh, Damon Bach uh, in TNG's episode, The Battle. Just a uh, like, if you're going to talk about good Ferengi episodes, I think that's one of the ones. I, I, I just dig that episode quite a bit. Uh, he actually played three different Ferengi characters over the years. Um, and he actually played uh, a character on Star Trek Voyager as well, Gagas, uh, at, on the episode uh, Inside Man. So uh, happy birthday to Frank Corsettino. That's a lot of bad Ferengi teeth, man. I'll tell it's you. Like, I mean, wow. It is. If you, if you've so got many bad a, teeth. Yeah, if you've got a character that you nail, uh, you know, why not keep keep uh, casting the guy? Uh, and if you, you know, he's he he's like a lot of those guys who play Ferengi. When you look at him, you're like, oh, yeah, I can totally see how he can play a Ferengi, you know? <laughs> exactly. They're like, Frank, Frank will wear the makeup. He'll come in yeah. at 3 a.m. to get that put on. And call, let's hire him again. No one will know. That's right. All right. Well, Frank, we miss you, buddy. Uh, Damon Bach was a great character. So happy birthday to Frank Gorsettino. Uh, Also saying happy birthday this week to Peter Derea, who played uh, good old Lieutenant Jose Tyler, the blondest, most red hair Jose you'll probably ever know uh, from TOS's episode, The Cage. Um, You know, he was originally uh, expecting an ongoing role after The Cage. And of course, uh, you know, when the, the network didn't pick up the show, uh, till later, uh, his his character was eliminated, and he was kind of he was kind of disappointed about that. There are some excellent uh, uh, even essays out there about his character uh, and the fact that he's named Jose. So I encourage you to go out there and check him out. Peter Derea would have had a birthday this week, and the Cage is a very excellent episode. That if you haven't seen it, you should go see it because that's our prototype mm-hmm. for Strange New Worlds Pike. Uh, also a Another fantastic actor, uh, Sid Haig, would have had a birthday this week. Uh, yeah. he, uh, his connection to um, Star Trek is through uh, Return of the Archons, uh, where he played the first lawgiver. Uh, but I, I will bet you that Paul has some some backup for this guy. I mean, I know oh, him. Oh, dude, from genre like, guy like there's no tomorrow, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like the if, if most recently uh, modern horror fans know him from like you know as Captain Spaulding, right? From like the Devil's yep. Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. But all the but Rob this Jones guy's been stuff. like a, a big brooding, you know, bad guy, quote unquote, in for you know. 50 years practically. I mean, he was in Kill Bill. He was in Bond movies. Diamonds are forever. I mean, he's in everything. This guy. I mean, you just name it. Uh, uh, is is I, I, I is, you'd always see him on like TV, like back in the day, like with the yeah. Fall Guy or Fantasy Island, right? You know, right. your biggest scary guy was 
vaguely Armenian looking on TJ Hooker or the Dukes of Hazard, you're going to cost it, you know? I mean, that's just how it works. Absolutely Jay- indelible character, though. He was on that with Jamie with uh, James Doohan. Mm-hmm. He was the big character on that. He, he was on Buck Rogers. He was in the, the uh, Day of the Hawk, which was the first episode of season yeah. two when they introduced Hawkman. Uh, yeah, he's, you, if you saw his face, you'd know him. And you Return of the Archons, him. man, that's a great episode. It's just, it uh, really right. It's just too bad we're about to be living it in a couple of years. That's about the only thing <laughs> I have against it. But <laughs> other than that, it's great. It's true. It's true. And you guys just, thank you for pulling out all those Tid Hague references. I knew that you would have those and he, yeah, very, go look him up guys. Would have had a, a, a birthday this week. So happy birthday, Sid. We're also saying happy birthday to another uh, Star Trek heavy hitter. Uh, this one has played more parts than you would believe. Uh, Gregory Eitzen, uh most notably uh, known as Admiral Black from Enterprise. Uh, but he's he's been in Star Trek uh, on five separate occasions. Uh, he was in the DS9 episode Dax as uh, Elone Tandro. He was in the DS9 episode Who Mourns for Morn as Hain. He was in the Voyager episode Critical Care as Dysek. Uh He was also in the Enterprise episode Shadows of Pajem as, guess who? A Vulcan Sopek. That's right. And then uh, Admiral Black from the Mirror Universe. We love him as well from Enterprise. So um, great character. I love his just like his look and the way in particular that he plays Black, um, even though, you know, Black sort of gets conned and killed of course by stupid mirror archer but <laughs> that aside that aside gregory uh, did an excellent job playing that part so happy birthday to him and our very last remembrance this week goes out to robert h justman uh who you guys all know but man for anybody who doesn't know out there um he is the guy he's like he, there's like roddenberry and then there's bob justman um, just below him, you know, he's considered um, one of the most influential um, just staffers responsible for the creation of Star Trek. Um, and um, he, he goes way, way back to the beginning. Um, there's this great quote from Leonard Nimoy who says, Bob Justman was a treasure to me. He would listen wisely with an honest ear and respond helpfully whenever there were creative differences of opinion. So that tells you a lot about the type of guy that Bob Justman was uh, and what he tried to bring to the Star Trek franchise, a little bit of that idic I'd like to, I'd like to think. Um, so yeah. Do you guys want to say anything about Bob Justman? Just even a legend, man. Freaking legend. Yeah. We wouldn't have Star Trek if not for him. I mean, we wouldn't. Yeah. It's true. Um, so he goes all the way back to uh, the first pilot, the cage. Um, and, uh, you know, he was uh, supposed to be the associate producer back then, but he he rejected it. Uh, he rejected the opportunity mm-hmm. way back then um, and handed it off, of course, to Byron Haskin and then uh, eventually would be brought back uh, when Star Trek got started in earnest. So happy birthday to legend Bob H. Justman. Uh, famous producer for Star Trek. All right. That is a lot of remembrances, guys, but uh, I'm sure that Charles would like to kick off the party with those of us uh, in our Star Trek community who are still with us. I sure will. Marco Rodriguez, 
play Captain Paul Rice in TNG's Arsenal of Freedmen. Also played Glenn Tell in TNG's The Wounded. Ah, a lot of actors couldn't keep up with all their IMDBs. So I thought Marco was interesting. Played a lot of bad guys, but also appeared in both MacGyvers. The original and the remake. Catherine Moffat. Moffat played Eaton Jow in TNG's The Game and Vitrific Tara in DS9's Necessity Evil. And ironically, while she was doing that TNG episode, she she was also playing in the new in the new WKRP in Cincinnati. Didn't realize they had remade that series, but she was doing that at the same time. She also spent time with another Star Trek legend. She also appeared in TJ Hooker. And we Woo-hoo! know who she was playing with on that show, <laughs> playing against on that show. Wait, did you just woohoo TJ Hooker, Paul? I had to back him up. <laughs> Everyone's always like, oh, the Dukes of Hazard was a great TV show. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> TJ Hooker, baby. It was yeah. great. Really got a chance for Shatter to show those acting chops of his post-Star Trek and really get <laughs> the hairdressers hair. working really hard. Get that hair underneath that officer's cap, damn it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lori Haller played Dr. Riley Fraser in Boys Unity. Robert Kip Nettinger played Wyatt Miller in Team Juice Haven and Gal in Boys Dragon Teeth. He's got over 145 credits to his name of all kinds of series. Linda Park Play Lieutenant Hoshi in Enterprise. Yay. Uh, that's Empress Hoshi. Then, yes, Empress Hoshi, uh-huh. yep. And Empress Hoshi. And then this one, oh, this guy, I think you just got to look up online his IMDb and scan through his 500 credited roles in, most, in acting and voice. In the past 30 years, uh, I'm looking through his stuff like, well, let me see. He was working with shows that air on Nickelodeon, uh, Cartoon Network, I think Fox's stuff, Disney stuff. Yeah, which is hard to go through all of it. He even showed I up in a Weird Al Yankovic video. Yeah. I'm Kenny. Known as Quip and about six other roles in Lower Decks. And then I think Jim just happens to love his probably most well known character. Not caring that he was the mayor of the uh, Powerpuff Girls. But he's also <laughs> to be SpongeBob. Yeah. He lives in a pineapple under the sea. Yeah, but he's, he's one actor who can say he was in both Star Trek and Star Wars animated animated features. 
And his credits are just pages. So after somebody like that and SpongeBob, Paul, who do you have going up against SpongeBob? Well, my friends, let's start off with a man named Smithers. And I'm not talking about Homer Simpson's (laughs) neighbor, okay? I really don't think so. We're talking about William Smithers, okay? Amazing character actor who Star Trek fans know from original series episode Bread and Circuses, where he played one of those, you know, I I don't know if I'm alone here, but I got a real thing for the evil Star Trek guys who go wrong, right? Yeah. You know, like uh, like Proto Omega Admiral. Glory, and the, just yeah. I was an, I was a captain, but then I went insane and I turned bad and I did all yep. these terrible things and I yep. kind of went native, right? And uh, he basically, exactly he became Mericus instead of Captain Merrick, right? And he's like. You know, he's basically defied, you know, defied the prime directive. This is not an academy training test, Jim. This is real. They're taking you to die. I mean, he was <laughs> that's great, man. So one of those dudes, though, who was just in a million, 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 million shows, right? He was in the great movie Papillon with Steve McQueen. He was on Quincy M.E., Barnaby Jones, Executive Suite, Cannon, The Six Million Dollar Man. I could go on and on and on and on. But tremendous actor, uh did a ton of stuff. I think most recently, Walker, Texas Ranger. I hope you're enjoying your fine retirement, sir, because you are an indelible actor, and uh, we're thrilled that you're part of the Star Trek universe. Also, moving on, a great happy birthday to Lawrence Pressman. Lawrence Pressman, uh, numerous roles here. uh, Legate Tekkeny on DS9, Second Skin and Ties of Blood, and Changeling Tekkeny on DS9's episode, The Adversary. Happy spoiler birthday, alert. Lawrence. What's that? <laughs> I said spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at this point, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we could still give it a little bit. But, uh, you know, yeah, those changelings, you know, you don't know what they're going to do. You're going to be careful. Uh, moving over to TNG, we got a couple of excellent birthdays here. Uh, felicitations to Susan Powell who played Lieutenant Marla Astor on the next-gen episode, The Bonding. Uh, happy birthday to Megan Parlin, who played the, uh, a delightful role, the young Ro Laren in that really, I think, a terrific next-gen episode, Rascals, right? Everyone's kind That's of fun. reduced down to childhood size. I think we've all wished that we could be reduced down to childhood size. Uh, some of us are permanently frozen in that state mentally. And I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. Uh, but uh, young Rolaren, Megan, Parlin, great job. Happy birthday. I'm excited about this next birthday. Wherever you are, brother, <laughs> you're having a great one. But the legendary Bruce McGill, who uh, played uh, Captain Braxton on a Voyager episode, Relativity. Eric, if I say to you, Daniel Simpson Day, who am I talking about? Daniel Simpson Day. Uh, Daniel Simpson Day has no great point average. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that the guy? He's from National Lampoon's Animal House, if I remember right. (laughs) Exactly, man. D-Day. That's right. D-Day with the fingerless gloves and the motorcycle. (laughs) Bruce McGill, man. And that cat has been on, like, everything, man. He is so prolific. Uh, It's amazing that he was on... uh, 
Star Trek as well, but I think he's still working a ton, I believe. But uh, I'll always think of him as Animal House, man, because I just can't help myself. Uh, absolutely. His face. His face yeah. Just like Animal House. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think he was on Reacher recently, and uh, and just tons and tons of stuff though. But it's just like he's one of those cats that's just never not working. Um, one of those faces you just immediately recognize, and when he gets intense, you pay attention, man. He's great on camera. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. I love that guy. He's really cool. He can play a really good guy and a really scary bad guy. So, happy birthday, Bruce McGill. We love you, man. We're glad you're part of the uh, the Star Trek universe. And finally, yes, everyone's like, finally, Paul, for crying out loud, shut up. <laughs> but happy birthday and many more to Robert Pine. Robert Pine on Voyager's episode The Shoot played uh, Lyria and Captain Tavin on Enterprise episode Fusion. And... I believe he's also Chris Pine's father and has something mm-hmm. to do with chips, but I don't know what because my notes are a little blurry because I'm uh, old. He's the captain dude. He's the, he's the dude who's like Eric Estrada's like boss. All right. You're talking about the old show chips, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. While I freely admit to watching TJ Hooker, watch. I admit to watching TJ Hooker all the time, right? Cause it was William Shatner. I think I hold the land speed record for being able to switch the channel fastest than any other human when chips came on. So I've actually never watched an episode. <laughs> did you know really? that chips are real? Did you, did you know that? I'm yeah, sure they are, yeah. You know, well, you know here's why, right? Because you, know, you know what I wanted that wasn't chips? I wanted Electric Glide in Blue, man. That was the motorcycle cop movie that of all motorcycle uh, cop stories forever with Robert Blake, man. Electric Glide in Blue – Chips just seems like this eh, not so, you know, robust in comparison, right? Because uh, oh, Electric Glide and Blue like is like a... like hazard on motorcycles. Come on. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. I mean, like Electric Glide and Blue is like a Scorsese movie almost. It's just great. Yeah. You know, it's totally... That's <laughs> fun, man. Yeah. But so, uh, but is he Chris Pine's father? Is that Robert Pine? The Robert yeah. Pine? Is yeah, that the connection? That's the Robert Pine, yeah. That's awesome. I, I just yeah. take a while for the other shoe of recognition to drop there, friends. But... Uh, but some amazing performers. It's so fun to think about all these careers of all these different actors who've done all this work. And when they have in common, they don't realize it. They're like, oh, I'm going on an audition. And, <laughs> and you get a job on Star Trek. You're forever part of Star Trek. And you'll be going to cons and you'll be signing photographs and you'll be having people call you by the names of characters you can't even remember that you played 20 years ago. It's crazy. But we love them all, don't we, Jim? We do. And we're not done. We're not done, but I, you know, I don't have as many. I don't have as many as you guys, but I've got some good ones. So I've got Mm -hmm. some really good ones, and I've got some legendary ones. So I, this was a tough (laughs) list. So the first one we want to say happy birthday to Pamela Alden, who played Ouija in TNG's Who Watches the Watchers, and I think that's Ouija because it's spelled like a Ouija board. O J I Ouija. O G. It's O G. It's O G. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a great episode. Like that's one of those episodes where you really get that like prime directive sense, and it's early on in yeah. TNG. It's, yeah. I don't know. I Top like ten that. for me, yeah. man. It's a great yeah. episode. It's really right up there. Yeah. Really, really wonderful. And uh, the next one, we want to say happy birthday to Kim Darby, who played Miri in the TOS episode. Miri. And if you're like me and you're a horror fan, though. I went to the movies in 1996, and I'm watching 
Michael Myers, the curse of Michael Myers. And who shows up gets butchered by Michael Myers? Kim Darby. <laughs> and dude, she True Grit. She was in True Grit with John Wayne. She's amazing. She's amazing. So, to Kim Darby. And uh, the last on my list is Conrad Coates, who played Admiral Terrell in Discovery. Um, I don't think he was an evil. I think he's one of the admirals that Control wasted at the end of season two, I believe. He is. He actually never went bad. I always thought that he was kind of good. And he was a guy um, who was just, I think, making the best decisions that he could make, given the data presented to him. And as a Vulcan, you know, what else are you going to do? Yeah, that's what we have stuck there. So I always do the Klingons last. And here's where my list got gets a little bit. I don't know who to do next, who to do last, but we're going to do the Klingon. Shashad Latif, who played who? Ash Tyler, Volk, and Discovery. Absolutely. Hopefully we see him back with Michelle Yeoh in Section 31 because Michelle Yeoh can kick you in the face, standing behind her. Love her, want to see her back. So, kapla. Um, But the biggest one on my list is Mr. P. Stewart himself. And uh, what hasn't he been in? Dune, Life Force, Excalibur, <laughs> the X-Men, Logan. Um, wow. He's been in everything, uh, Patrick Stewart. And he happens to share Stewart. a birthday with Han Solo, Harrison Ford. Birthday. So Indiana Jones and Patch and, and Captain Picard have the same birthday. Is that not the coolest thing ever? That's pretty really? cool, man. It's well, pretty darn cool. So eighty two well, years young, I believe. Stewart. Stewart, Lord Stewart. Patrick Stewart, yeah, P. Stewart. When you said P. Stewart, I had no idea what you're talking about there. I was you're like, like who's, who's that? this guy? Sir Patrick Stewart. That's well, they call him. He's, of course, known for all of his, like, acting chops and stuff, but I I just, I don't know. I get the sense that he's kind of, like, a decent human being, too. Like, I, I like the way he thinks. You know, he's he's a little edgy, kind of behind the scenes, which I sort of like. Um, I just, there's a lot about the guy that I like. If there was a guy in the Star Trek universe that I hadn't met yet that I would want to meet, it would definitely be this guy. Well, I got to tell you, there's an honorable mention uh, here And he's getting an honorable mention because of our Monday show where we talked about the Gorn. And today happens to be Stanton's birthday. Paul, jump in here. Why am I mentioning him today? Why are you mentioning him today? Yeah, why am I mentioning him even at all? He wasn't in Star Trek. Well, Harry Dean Stanton's a legendary actor, right? I mean, he's phenomenal. And, but he was in a particular movie with a particular scene that everybody knows. <laughs> He's talking about Alien? I'm talking about Alien. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I was talking about, like, I don't think Harry Dean Stanton was in a Star Trek episode. So <laughs> no, you were, were kind of messing but, with me there. Nope. He was, well, kind of, because the Gorn, the, the Gorn burst out of people now. They took it from Alien. Okay. And now so, I'm following you. I'm following you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Harry Dean Stanton, man. It's just like, I, we don't have enough time to cover that guy. I mean, he's just, nope. you know, uh, Paris, Texas, uh, I think, you know, for everybody, though, he's he's, uh, he's one of the engineers on the Nostromo, man. Uh, 
Right. Yeah. Right. You know, he's like he, when it was he's still uh, you could still have guys smoking cigarettes in space. Right. right? right. The, <laughs> the engineer Brett, you know, we're not working till we get full shares. So, uh, yeah. you know, legendary so. cat, man. I mean, absolutely. Amazing. But wait a second, dude. Isn't there somebody else who had a birthday recently? That's even closer to all of our hearts or our firmament. Am I losing my mind? No, this is where the list gets. Like I told you, there were some legendary people on this list. Did I not tell you that at the top of the show? You know, we've had Patrick Stewart. We've had Harrison Ford, Harry Dean Stanton, Robert Pine. I mean, we've, we've done the gambit. We've had them all. But wait, there's one more. I know you guys are thinking, wow, what, who could top that, possibly top that? I, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I have my right-hand man, of course, in Charles. I have my left-hand man in Eric. Without Eric and Charles, there's no Trek talking. We're the team that gels together, and Eric, of course, is one of the pillars of that team. And, of course, we have to say happy birthday to the one and only Eric. And you know what that yeah. means, don't you? That means, that means we have to hear from Weird Al, where? Wait, wait, where did Weird Al go? He ran away from me. I pushed play, and he said, "That song right now." And Weird Al ran away. Where did he go? Get oh, back no. here, Weird. Oh man, this thing went crazy on me. I pushed play, and Weird Al said, "No, I'm not gonna do anything with you right now." And he ran away. Where did he go? Get back here, you, you, you. There he is. An Arab on the corner buying everything inside. There's a mother in the ghetto with another mouth for feet. Seems that everywhere you look today, there's misery and greed. I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun. But that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun. So if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Now, I know uh, it, it seems like Eric's always been here, but he really hasn't. Um, he came along a couple of years ago, I believe. What, three well, or four? Of, yeah, well, three? at this point, Jim, it's like four and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you can go back. I wrote down my first episode, but it was one where we were reviewing the Romulan uh, faction pack uh, from Star Trek Attack Wing. So it was like, I don't know, like December of 2017, something like that. Wow. It just, it time flies, doesn't it? I am having fun. And yes, therefore it is. So, <laughs> and so I happy, just really, thank you, man. I really, I just so much appreciate that. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate having uh, David and Shannon and Paul and Charles and everybody on the line today. Uh-huh. I love you guys. And I love that there are nerds here who want to, talk about Star Trek with me. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to me. Thank you so much for being my friend. And uh, uh, with that, guys, we have to do our convention calendar. But first, we have a very quick commercial break. Why isn't this thing working? Don't miss Fandom Fest New York, featuring special guests, vendors, artists, esports, 
tabletop games, and so much more. Fandom Fest, a unique con experience at Proctor's, August 12th through 14th. And I don't know if that announcer is enthusiastic enough. <laughs> I feel like he's no, like... No, no. He's had 75 triple shots of espresso, right, before he recorded that promo. He's just like, he is amped. <laughs> We're going to have that guy on the podcast next week, by the way. Nice. Eric. Man, he's a, he's got it going on. I I, I can't wait. It. Yeah, um, it's going to be cool. I'm going to I'm going to get to meet the guy from uh, from They Live. I'm excited about that. Anyways, yeah. guys, uh, it's time for for convention. Oh, calendar. Convention calendar, calendar. Here we are. Uh, all right, let's kick off convention <laughs> calendar. We've got the Dallas Comic Show, uh, August 12th through the 13th at Music City Mall, Louisville in Louisville, Texas. We're also going to be checking out Abu Dhabi 2022. In, uh, that's August 12th through the 14th at uh, NH Koningshof at Veldhoven in the Netherlands. So go check out a sweet convention in Veldhoven there. Anna Knight, August 12th through the 14th, at Event Hotel Pyramid in Wüstendorf, Austria. So oh, sweet. Another, I'm still there, man. Another fantastic place to go. Maybe pick up a little good food, a little good wine. Uh, Wüstendorf. At the Event be, Hotel. Pretty amazing. <laughs> Paul, um, where else should we travel this week? Well, you know, we do like spinning that compass needle all over the place, right? And I love this first one. I'm super excited about it. Um, all these conventions um, coming up here are all the week of August 12th through 14th. So you've got mid-August. you still got time to buy a uh, plane fare. Uh, just don't bring anything other than carry-on, if you know what I'm saying, uh, travelers. But first of all, uh, I'm super excited for this one. Argentina Fur Fiesta 2022 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Now, I don't know um, if, if – is this I've, – I've heard that there's a thing in fandom called the furry, okay? And I don't know if Fur Fiesta is about that particular corner of the uh, fan community, but I am dying to find out. So I'm not sure. All I know is it's at the Abasto Hotel in Buenos Aires. Not the Asbestos Hotel in Buenos Aires. That's across the street. So don't inadvertently go there by mistake. The Abasto Hotel in Buenos Aires for Argentina Fur Fiesta 2022. What happens in Buenos Aires stays in Buenos Aires. You got me? Then we kind of come back over to more northern climes, and we're back in Boston again at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center, again, August 12th through 14th for Fan Expo Boston 2022. And then... If you're sort of landlocked with no ocean nearby, you might find yourself in Columbus, Ohio, and you might want to go to the Hyatt Regency Columbus, in the part of the Greater Columbus Convention Center, August 12th through 14th for MatsuriCon. That sounds like it's going to be ripe with all kinds of anime stuff. I hope so. Or Transformers, perhaps? That Matsuri. Con kind of evokes all kinds of feudal Japan, exciting geek stuff to me. I love It Sounds Great. So there's three really exciting different cons, all different parts of the uh, 
of the globe you can go to where I am under no doubt that there will be bountiful air conditioning in all of those mid-August gods. So it's a great way to beat the heat, uh, rub elbows with fellow fans, and uh, celebrate Star Trek amidst all that stuff. Charles, what do you got going on there in crazy uh, Vegas, baby? Well, let's stick with the same weekend. Let's try Monster Mania in the Crown Plaza, Philadelphia, Cherry Hill, in Cherry, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Woohoo! Supernatural official convention, Washington, D.C. at the Crystal Gateway Marriott, Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> Gee, I think they must be wanting to talk about Supernatural that weekend. Maybe. Or you can go, or you can go up a little bit to Wellsboro Comic Con in Dean Center, Performing Arts in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. David, how about finishing us off? Yeah, I got a couple of ones that are um, a little later in August. I got one in uh, Stockton, California from August 13th to the 14th called Stockton Con Summer. Um, Another one is Madison Comic Con from August 14th over at Monona Terrace Community and Convention Center in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, And final, last one would be Emerald City Comic Con from uh, August 18th to the 21st uh, over in Seattle, Washington at the Washington State Convention Center. And that's all for me. And um, Shannon, you're on the line, and uh, I hear you. You might be making an appearance at a convention as well. You want to talk about it a little bit? Sure. I actually am going to be speaking at the Star Trek convention in Vegas, you know, which we always called STLV. That's not what it's called this year. Um, It's a 55th year mission, but it is from the uh, 26th to the 28th, I think, because my date might be a little off, but I know the 28th is the Sunday, and I am speaking on the Sunday. That's why I know that date. And um, they just sent me two passes because I'm a speaker. I'm like, ooh, cool. So, and I get my money back for my ticket. But uh, <laughs> So if anybody wants to come to Star Trek Vegas, and if anybody who's not come, it's a lot of fun. You're be- you're, you know, you see the same people every year. You're, you're close friends, uh, 3,000 people you see every year. Okay? What, well, so, what's your topic? What are you speaking on? Well, last time I did Star Trek and the law, but this time it, I'm speaking about what is sentient. Oh. Like what is a sentient being? But the thing is, I'm no NASA scientist, but all the NASA scientists I know that were going to speak with me, they're all at some NASA convention that weekend. Like, really? <laughs> so now I'm trying to find a scientist to do it with me. But either way, because I mean, I've done it without scientists, but I think it would make more sense for a lawyer and a scientist to talk about. Find that, uh, find that cat at Google who said that their AI had become sentient. That right. guy is probably looking to do an interview, man. That's, there you uh, go. that's that pretty true. wild. A very that. timely topic, my friend. That's yeah. great. Very cool. Thank you. The people will be very interested in that. That's great. Yeah, well, probably won't we, uh, be first thing Sunday morning because people will be drunk and hungover. So. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> We've Amen. got a caller on here, guys. Oh. Yeah, let's see if I can get my 
Lisa, my board is acting up. Today. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello? This is Ray. How you doing, guys? What's up, hey, Ray? Hey, how you doing, Ray? I know it's been a while, my friend. I've just been busy. That's okay. We understand. Yeah, I'm drawing my kids and everything else. I put it this way. And, like, and, you know, the, the, the episode was 2020, you, right? Tomorrow, okay, something that big gets you, and I'll get the bear. Yes. So I'm at the, I'm at the game right now. The rest of the game is I'm at the game right now. Really? That's cool. Yes, yes, yes. That, that's excellent. I had to, man. I had to, man. So I've been, I, I, I've been catching up with this damn game and everything else. I've been catching up with everything else. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry for that couple weeks. I say, you know, say school's over for me. I'm on my break, everything else. So I'm, I'm enjoying my break, man. Hey, about you? Yeah, I'm enjoying my break. Call as well. Pardon? So I'm ask you, who's gonna win next week, the Yankees or the Mets? Oh, oh please! please. <laughs> That's gonna be hard. You know what that means? It's going to be like a Subway series. Yep. But much more worse. It's <laughs> much more play- worse. They're only playing two games, though, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But. Well, I mean, I mean, actually, I see them on TV, but I never actually. um. Winter, because every time I try to go to it, 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 it'll be sold out. Oh, yeah. it'll be sold out. So, so living in the Bronx, who are you rooting for? The Mets, of course, right? Hell no! Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me! Ask that question again. <laughs> It's going uh-huh, to be, I'll tell yeah. you. Uh-huh. I have no question again. <laughs> I, I've been watching Subway Series for years, and every year when the Mets play the Yankees, the Mets are in first place, and the Yankees, or the Mets, are, the Mets are so far behind. They're, but this year, this year it's different. Mets are in first place when they're playing the Yankees, so I don't think it's going to be like it is every other year. We'll have to wait and see, buddy. I'll be listen, 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 listen. Put this way. Listen, listen, put this way. I'm not a gambling man. I don't gamble on these games because I don't do that. You know, I do it's for fun for my family. You know, say it's a fun thing. That's what it's about. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But in the day, I enjoy myself with this one. That's how I do it. It's gonna be fun. That's what I gotta it's say. Gonna be- it's gonna be fun. Right, and, 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 and uh, before I go, can I, can, I, can I ask one question, please, before I go? Absolutely. Shoot, shoot, Ray. Why? Okay, I seen, I finally, if I call my daughter, the three words, right? Who is this guy trying to be like Captain Kirk? I mean, without you, it's like, what is that? What's up with that? Well, he's he's actually uh, he's from the vampire. He's actually a vampire. <laughs> he uh, oh, he's he's yeah, he's Paul Wesley from the Vampire Diaries. Actually, get um, this shit, Dad. I don't know. It took me to make to realize this. 
Because obviously he looked familiar. I, 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 he somebody made him realize this. And then and next he said, thank you. God, you, I'm hoping the second season of this will be, you know what? I know. It, I know it's a cliffhanger, but I hope the second season is going to be crazy. I hope so. Like I said, this too, I mean, even though they did 10 episodes, but Raju, it's kind of good. Absolutely. And, and kind of we're going to see more of Paul Wesley as Captain Kirk next season. And hopefully he'll play a more familiar version of Captain Kirk than he played. Yeah, we're in China, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, well, I, I really, I, I love him for you. I really appreciate you giving us a call. And uh, next week when the Mets and the Yankees play, I'll be watching and I'll be thinking of you. Go Mets. And I'll be calling you too. You take care and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your night. Yep, you too, Ray. Have a good night. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Anytime, Uncle Jim. Anytime, Uncle Jim. Anytime. I'll see you guys later. Enjoy. And be blessed. Later. You too. Later. All right, guys. That was Ray from the Bronx. And guess what? It's time for Star Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to start off with this. theme song and this is the first our first thursday in 49 49 weeks charles yep is it 49 i think i lost track 40 some weeks i believe yeah it's 49. we've had we've had a new star trek episode every thursday night for almost a full year almost yeah. and this first yeah. thursday night august last year yeah, except for one Thursday. So, um, and of course, if they didn't overlap, uh, you know, Picard with Discovery and Strange New Worlds with Picard, then we wouldn't be having no Star Trek. But that's not my decision to make. But the reason yeah. why I played the Lower Decks theme song is because Star Trek Lower Decks will premiere on Thursday, August 25th. That's right, August 25th. Exclusively on Paramount Plus in the U.S. Following the premiere, the remaining nine episodes of the ten-episode-long season will be available to stream weekly on Thursdays on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is promising shocking resolution 
to the cliffhanger that capped off season mm-hmm. two last October. The crew of the USS Cerritos will be tested in hilarious ways they could never imagine, which may or may not have something to do with the consequences of stealing the ship. Trekkers who prefer live action shows will need to remain patient, though, as the likes of Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery aren't expected to return until 2023. Now, they did release a little brief teaser trailer for uh, Season 3, which I'm going to play for you right now. Captain Freeman, you're under arrest for the destruction of Pac-Led Planet. Hey, let, let her go! That is for a tribunal to decide. You don't get it! She's your captain, but she's my mom! I have to do something before it's too late! It, it would be a logical mod too. I don't care what trouble I get in! Same! I want the trouble! Give me the trouble! All right, let's save the day lower deck style. But we're grounded. Plus, we don't even know where the Cerritos is. I know where the Cerritos is! This is for the captain. Are you stealing the Cerritos? Whoa, these graphics are mind-blowing! So if you guys haven't seen the new teaser poster for Season 3, it's Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And they're stealing, instead of the Enterprise, the Cerritos. And um, if you saw The Ready Room, then you've already seen the clip that I'm about to play for you guys. If you haven't, you're in for a treat. So this is the clip that Will Wheaton played on the Ready Room, and I've just entitled this one Boimler and His Raisins because I couldn't think of a better title. So here it is. This is the first clip for Season 3 of Lower Decks, which we're going to see on August 25th. Oh, God, vineyard flies. I hate being home. Dude, are you even listening to what I'm telling you? The captain's getting railroaded, man. I have to do something before it's too late. Well, count me in. Really? Usually it takes way more convincing. I'll do anything to get away from these raisins. It's already going to take me a month to get the smell out of my hair. Hey, Bradward. Want to test the sweetness of my bushel? Fine, Genevieve. Just give it 43 more sun hours at 21 degrees bricks. Oh, Okay. Uh, when you said your family had vineyards, I just assumed it was for wine. Oh, I wish. No, we Boimlers dry grapes. Just dry them and dry them and dry them till they're all shriveled and hopeless and stuck on earth forever. Uh, Bradwood, <laughs> all these varietals are so confusing. Take me to the privacy of the pickery shed and explain them to me. Come on, Mandalina. Red goes in the red bucket, white in the white. You know that. How do they not see this as a setup? We were nowhere near Packlet Planet when it blew. I mean, she was saving another ship for Kirk's sake. Okay, we know it doesn't track, but Our the ship's logs got corrupted by the Lapirian debris field. It makes it look like she's covering something up. Wait, so they just need our logs? I have logs. No, we need the official senior staff logs, not like what you had for lunch. No, no, no. My logs are crazy detailed. Every night I'd listen to the captains and re-record them for my own reference. What? Yeah, the official star dates, systems, personnel. It's all in there stored by my bunk. Oh, my God. Boimler, wait, that is so nerdy and so clutch right now. So all we have to do is get your pad, oh. and we clear her name with some surprise evidence. Take that, conservative military court. <sighs> but we're grounded. Plus, we don't even know where the Cerritos is. It's in Dry Dock? Yeah, but which Dry Dock? There's like a bajillion, and besides, they probably only kept on a small skeleton crew of engineers to help dock it, and that's it. Engineers? <gasps> Rutherford! Okay, August 25th, we'll find out how that all goes down. So that's going to be our next new Star Trek 
will be Lower Deck Season 3, August 25th. Eric, what do you got for us? Oh, Jim, so nerdy and so clutch. We've got Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks nominated for Hollywood Critic Awards. That's right. The Hollywood Critic Association announced for their second annual HCA TV Awards, which included good news for Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Star Trek Lower Decks. The first season of Strange New Worlds was nominated for Best Streaming Drama Series, and it is going up against Loki, Ozark, Panchinko, Severance, Squid Game, Stranger Things, and The Morning Show. The second season of Lower Decks was nominated for Best Streaming Animated Series or TV Movie, and is going up against Arcane, Big Mouth, Central Park, Undone, and What If. That's in the bag, baby. Strange New Worlds is already a winner, as the HCA previously announced they will be giving it their Legacy Award for 2022. Strange New Worlds is the newest series and has been met with an outpouring of love and support from fans and critics alike. Quote, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is the perfect show for our Legacy Award because it encapsulates everything that this award stands for, suggests HCA Vice President Nestor Benecourt. The HCA Legacy Award celebrates a show that has taken a beloved property and, without relying solely on nostalgia, has been able to pay respectful tribute to the past while modernizing it in a fun and meaningful way, delighting original fans and newer generations of devotees. I cannot think of a better description for for that show uh, from my standpoint. The Legacy Award will be given out during the HCA TV uh, Awards, which will also announce the winners for all the other categories. The awards are a two-night event taking place on Saturday, August 13th and Sunday, August 14th at the Event Center in Los Angeles, California. Man, I think they got a good chance at a couple of these things because, uh, honestly, up against all that animated stuff, like, that stuff is good. Uh, Lower Decks is really good. Now... You know, in terms of best streaming drama series, man, there's a lot of really stiff competition there. So we'll see. We'll see if they can do it. Paul? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks, you like Eric. Yeah, you're not kidding. That's some stiff competition, I'll tell you. It really is. Yeah. But uh, but it's also a kind of uh, a favorite and a darling right now. So I think they got a shot. I really do. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's it's bribery. <laughs> Who throws the best brunch, <laughs> right? That's how these things work, right? You know, it's just like, you know, who had the best open bar? Oh, what a shock! They won the award, right? I mean, this is Hollywood, Fred. Oh, Paul. Uh, you know, I'm a realist, dude. It was a science fiction realist. It's not an oxymoron, okay? And I better put on my lobster bib for this next. Uh, news story, because I'm pretty excited about the fact that Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition, boom, hits 4K Blu-ray physical disc along with the entire six-film set, okay? I am super excited about this. You're like, well, why would I bother to get that? Because I already have Paramount Plush in my house, and I'm seeing it already streaming in high def. And I would say, oh, 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 but my friend, au contraire, because that is not the case, brothers and sisters. You may be, all right, uh, when you're watching uh, streaming, right? But there's a big difference between uh, streaming on your TV and a physical disc, and that difference is picture quality, okay? The most important and clear difference between uh, a standard 4K disc and streaming even on high quality is picture and sound quality, 
right? Because uh, they are pushing at a much higher bit rate. Now, you'll see like Apple TV and Disney Plus, they tend to stream at a little bit higher bit rate than their rivals, right? And so they probably are coming out looking about one and a half times that of uh, a Blu-ray disc, right? Your generic disc, they look really sharp. But even then, half the quality of an ultra HD 4k disc. So you are going to see these star Trek movies like you have never seen them before. The official press release says that Paramount home entertainment has revealed that the fully restored director's edition of star Trek, the motion picture will arrive on 4k and ultra HD Blu-ray on September 6th. That's just a head of star Trek day 2022 on September 8th. So right on time. So you can celebrate with that sucker in your house. What's more, the film is going to be available in a standard edition and a limited edition collector set entitled The Complete Adventure. Why should I get that complete adventure, you may ask? Well, to top it all off, <laughs> the Star Trek, the motion, original motion picture collection is also on tap on the 6th, and it's going to bring all six films together in 4K Ultra HD. Now, hopefully you might have seen that coming when the original four-movie collection launched on 4K Blu-ray last year without Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Jim's favorite movie, and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Both those films will be included in the new set. Uh, I believe they should also be available separately for saps like me who went ahead and bought the 4K movie collection when it did come out, right? Uh, Because otherwise you're going to have a big gap in your collection. Both films will be included with a new set. Star Trek, the motion picture director's edition, 4K Ultra HD. You can get it on Amazon. It's about 31 bucks uh, pre-order price. Uh, the newly restored definitive vision of the first big screen adventure is presented in 4K Ultra HD, Dolby Vision HDR10, as well as the coveted Dolby Atmos. Also includes access to a digital copy of the film and the following new and legacy bonus content. It's a long list, so I'm going to blow through it as fast as I can. Audio commentary with David C. Fine, Mike Matasino, and Darren R. Docterman. New audio commentary by Robert Wise, director Douglas Trumbull, John Dykstra, Jerry Goldsmith, and Stephen Collins. Text commentary by Michael and Denise Okuda, legendary keepers of the star trek flame uh blu-ray disc bonus features include the human adventure an all-new eight-part documentary detailing how the director's edition came to life it's new preparing the future how the remastering began a wise choice the storied history of director robert wise refitting the enterprise how the enterprise design shaped futures federation starships sounding off exploring new dimensions of sound and dolby atmos <laughs> see what they did there v'ger the conception and restoration and iconic alien antagonist. And I, I have to always tell the story because it's a chance to embarrass my wife. We were playing Star Trek Trivial Pursuit one night, and my wife is a Star Trek fan, but she's not as much of a Star Trek fan as I am. And she got a card, and she read the card, and she was including the movies, and she described who, where, what was the nature of the uh, – Entity Vagur. 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 And we always call it Vagur in my house ever since then. It. And it's just hilarious. So I, I couldn't breathe when uh, she did that. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> More extras include Return to Tomorrow, reaching an already high bar with new CGI effects. Uh, a grand theme behind the iconic, influential music score that shaped the franchise's future. The grand vision, the legacy and evolving reputation of this classic movie. Deleted scenes, effects tests, costume tests, computer display graphics, and additional legacy bonus content all oh is new. Damn. 
However, uh-huh. this is the big deal. This is the big deal, all right? The Star Trek, the motion picture director's edition, something called the Complete Adventure in 4K Ultra HD. It's available at a rather heftier price, about yeah. 98 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. But this limited edition collector set includes everything I just rattled off above, plus an additional 4K Ultra HD disc available nowhere else. It will never be repressed again, containing the theatrical cut and the first ever widescreen presentation of the special longer version of Star Trek, the motion picture originally created for the broadcast television in 1983. This package is unbelievable. This sucker is loaded. This set is presented in deluxe packaging, has exclusive collectibles, including reproductions of original promotional material, a booklet with behind-the-scenes images, stickers, you name it. Your friend Paul, the wine guy, Star Trek the enthusiast and 4K addict, has those discs pre-ordered, baby, because I want to see every pockmark on Decker's face. I want to be able to really (laughs) scrutinize the pores on Ilya's dome. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to see every hair on Dr. Leonard McCoy's beard. I want to see all that stuff in its and I want to see that crazy long TV version that hasn't been aired since, what, 1983? It's crazy. This is uh, uh, historic. So if you've been sort of going, wow, it was Prime Day a couple of days ago, and I just finally popped the, you know, finally popped for the 4K setup here. I mean, the, the TV and all whatnot, because, you know, it's 2022, and we're stuck at home because another COVID wave is coming. You're going to be watching a lot of TV. And this is the thing you want, man. This is, if you're a Star Trek, the motion picture fan, you're never going to see it in a more exhaustive presentation than what they put together here for you. Enthusiasts at Paramount have promised something special and they have delivered. A lot of these companies now, they, they really kind of go, yeah, they don't care. They'll never know the difference. But at Paramount, they have a different mindset and they definitely acknowledge the fact that Star Trek is one of their crown jewels. And when they put something like this together, it's a legacy historical document. So fans... You are in for a treat. And speaking of history, Charles Vegas, Charles, baby, what kind of history are you going to tell me about? Uh, this is a little bit closer to my heart on the, on for me. The Smithsonian's work helped Tommy create one of the most accurate replica, replica, replicas of the Star Trek USS Enterprise. One of the highlights of visiting the Smithsonian Inner Space Museum for Star Trek fans is seeing the original on-screen model of USS Enterprise on display there. But all the restoration work that went into the model six years ago can now benefit private collectors, as Tommy has created a remarkably detailed replica of the ship based on the original screen-used model. After a stint in the museum gift shop in 2004, the museum finally started a full restoration of the USS Enterprise model in its original paint and detailing, and in 2016 went on permanent display again alongside in the National Air and Space Museum's other iconic exhibits. Tommy has announced a limited edition one 350-scale die-cast replica of NCC-1701 that promises to stand out for the rest, rest in terms of accuracy. A 
34-inch replica is based on all the restorations in the 11-foot model currently on display in the Smithsonian. And Garrett Kerr, widely considered the ultimate authority on the original series model, has also worked on the restoration efforts for six, six years ago. Collaboration with Tommy's own designers to help ensure this replica is accurate as possible. Besides the paint finish that closely closely matches all the shots of the ship as seen in the original 1966 Star Trek series, Tommy's USS Enterprise includes light-up animated nacelles designed to replicate the original special effects as illustrated illuminated hangar bays you can actually look inside. 70 LEDs in and around the ship include navigation lights, a glowing impulse drive, and a saucer section that actually separates from the rest of the hull with a reconfigured display stand that supports both parts. And the reason I snagged this article from Eric is I've actually seen this model, not in pictures. 2016, I was in Washington, D.C., and made a special trip just to see this model. And in certain times of day, it's like every two hours, if you get there at the right time, an engineer comes down and actually lights the ship. I've got videos buried in my phone somewhere. The actual ship, all the lights coming on, the nacelles lighting up. It's just an incredibly impressive view of the ship. And if they're using that to do a replica, they're using the right model to make that replica perfect. Yeah, I, I haven't. I, well, last time I saw it, it was hanging up on the ceiling when yeah, I was there. Yeah, Oh, this is, yeah. this is in a case you can walk. Right. In a case you walk up right to the glass case, you can look at it and look mm-hmm. at the detail. It's so right cool. there yeah. for you to look at. Nice. Yeah, I think my kids got bored because I was looking at it for like an hour, probably. So <laughs> You're cool. like, look at the detail. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I sat there for the 15 minutes they lit that thing up just to look at all the lights that are going yeah. off on that thing. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't see yeah, that. It's incredible. Love it. I, I think I took like two rolls of film. Yes, that's how long ago. Rolls of film uh, of the Enterprise hanging <laughs> on the ceiling. Uh, so... Anyways, guys, you know what a time it is? Yeah, time to move on, baby. Talk about a quality of mercy. And before we do that, though, I got to set the tone, and we got to hear the captain's log. Captain's log, Stardate 1457.9. The Enterprise is on the edge of the neutral zone, a narrow band of space separating the Romulan Empire from the Federation. A remnant of a treaty from a hundred years ago, when a destructive war was waged between our two cultures. Enterprise and the USS Cayuga are here to help the outposts that guard the neutral zone with much needed retrofitting and supplies. And here begins our story. And every week, I ask you guys, our Facebook fans, to score each episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. I collect those scores, and we give them to you here. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about a quality of mercy? 
Well, Jim Brooke, Brooke Louise Bradley said a 10, absolutely loved it. Strange New Worlds has constantly delivered and is easily the best of any of the new treks. Was a great alternative take on the events of Balance of Tenor. Uh, Terror, excuse me, loved the upload, uh, updated <laughs> Trek movie uniform Pike War as well. I totally agree, Brooke. Uh, great analysis. Warren Hayes said definitely a great way to close out a great first season. Get, I give it a 9.5 for sure, only because eh, nothing's perfect. Smiley face. Thanks, Warren. Top fan Tarai Lynch said 10 triple bang after that. It brought me a tear to my eyes when Pike realizes the sacrifice that must be made. Also, Scotty. <laughs> I know. I love it, Tarai. Thank you so much. Gordon Walker, 9.99. The only way it could have been better was if we saw the, quote, Scottish accent. Spoiler alert. Thank you. Top fan Dorada Pudo said, nine, my favorite episode of Strange New Worlds by far. I had been terrified that they'd seek to vilify my favorite character, especially after what they did with Sam. So I was very tense when James Kirk appeared, but overall his appearance was acceptable. Pike was finally doing a captain job aside from cooking and fraternizing. I also like the main framing plot, although it has at least one implication, possibly two, I don't care for. Ooh, we should talk about those. Thank you, Dorada. Top fan, Hello, Daniel Davis. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Shannon, you're on board uh, here in a minute. Uh, top fan, Daniel Davis, said 10 plus. Uh, a little contemplative emoji in all times, but this one, the non-emergence of the Enterprise crew under Kirk's leadership has cosmic negative repercussions. Uh, live long and prosper. Sandy Corby says 10. The series overall has been wonderful. So all those who say Paul Wesley is not Shatner slash Kirk, eh, so he is not and never will be. Try giving him a chance to, quote, grow into the part. Part of acting is to interpret the character and try to make it your own the way Ethan Peck has done with Spock. Let's celebrate that Star Trek is alive and kicking. Jorge L. Niveas said 9.9, wanted to see Scotty, but it's okay. Anthony Armstrong said, I never give perfect scores. That said, this one was a 9.97. That is statistically significant, my friends. Thank you, Anthony. Steve Weirgau said a 9. Also, this is not the Kirk we know. He has never been captain of the Enterprise, nor had he met Bones, Spock, or Scotty. I'm sure future Strange New Worlds Kirk will be closer to Shatner's version, but I don't think we really want him to do an imitation. Interesting. Favorite moment, Scotty's convo with Spock, even if we did not see him. Winky face. A fan score, you guys, of 9.7, which really, really knocks it out the park. Uh, You might remember that uh, our fans gave the premiere a 9.8, which is the only thing that exceeds this 9.7. Nothing else even comes close. 9.4 for Spock Amok is the next closest for our fans' Strange New World score. So let's talk about it. Well, before we do that, we have one more quick thing we have to do, and that would be this.
Okay, take it away, Eric. I mean, Charles, it's all yours. Thank you. And our tradition of doing our cadet review, cadet training and review. Let's start off with the obvious one you need to go back and look at. You need to go back and watch Bounce of Terror. Get it. EOS Season 1, Episode 14. Or Definitely. Ironically, for me, I saw it the Sunday before it aired because somebody else wanted to see the episode. And then I saw this one. It's like, wow. There's a video comparison. Really, is fascinating. But you got one very similar, Trials and Tribulations from DS9, where they visit the Enterprise, Season 5, Episode 6. Uh, some other what-ifs. Yesterday's Enterprise, TNG, Season 3, Episode 15, where we see the Enterprise C. Tapestry, TNG, Season 6, Episode 15. Ricard, what if he didn't have the uh, artificial heart? And then one that got very interesting. My first non-Trek episode. A Quality of Mercy from the Twilight Zone, Season 3, Episode 15. Why do I bring this one up? Well, this one is another time travel one. Yeah. They pass through two different dates in World War II. And what makes this special ep- episode special? Oh, there's a young actor and a soldier that uh, Leonard Nimoy plays. Yep. So we got our Star Trek connection. But Eric, I... a quality <laughs> of mercy, where does that line come from? Oh, man, I love that you included that, Charles. Uh, that is also a Shakespearean reference, of course. Um, and uh, I love that you brought up the Twilight Zone episode. Uh, uh, you mean from which, um, from which Shakespeare yeah. play? Yeah, it's, it's from uh, um, The Merchant of Venice, I believe. Uh, you are correct, sir. He's talking, yeah, where he's, it yeah. Is correct. It's a yeah. Porsche's like does that uh, and includes that in one of his speeches. So uh, man, but the Twilight Zone episode, I didn't even realize. Like I've seen the old Twilight Zone and I've seen it over and over again. But when I saw your notes on this one, I was like, ooh, I gotta go back and watch that one again. And it was so fun that it also had a Star Trek connection. So uh, congrats yeah. on finding that that one. Oh, it, it was a fast. I went and watched it today. That was an interesting episode. I'd forgotten that episode. Yeah. Oh, man. yeah, me too. It, it had it had tied to this episode. It's not one of those first season episodes that you always remember about the Twilight Zone. It's like later on, so you got to kind of like dig dig yeah. a little deeper to remember that one. All right, guys. Well, we're yeah, going to talk about the episode. Yep, uh, we're going to do something um, a little bit different here. I want to set the pace because uh, we're running out of time here. So um, I'm just going to play a couple of clips that I to get you guys in the mood uh, to talk about it. So the first one I want to play for you guys, obviously, is a, is a clip entitled, I Am You. But there is something you should know about the future. You'll figure out how to say it. Trust me. Who the hell are you? I thought that would have been obvious. I'm you. 
space. The final frontier. Yes. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Yeah, I had to play the intro for you guys because we've never played it before, and oh. this is the perfect time to play it. Um, yeah, I love it. I want because it was perfect. It sets off the whole mood of this episode. Perfect. So I wanted to play that one for you to get you kind of in the mood. All right, and uh, the next one I want to play for you guys. This is a really good one, and I entitled this one "The Boogeyman." On lightly saute. And it transforms from leftovers into something new. Well, like what we're doing to these outposts. Not as tasty, though. I'm hearing rumors the Romulans are developing new weapons. Ah, the Romulans are the boogeymen. No one's ever seen one. Nobody even knows what they look like. And yet, they get blamed for a lot of things around here. I'm actually their fault. You know? I think I missed the beard. Yeah, I felt like it belonged to a different era of captain. But that's what you were going for, man out of time. Man out of time. I wonder why they put that line in there. Interesting. Uh, The next clip that I want to throw at you guys, I think you're going to know why I picked it. Captain, can you come to the bridge? There is something you should see. There's a comet ahead. And its trail is reflecting a signal on an unused EM frequency. It is encoded, Mr. Spock is trying to decipher. But we think it might be from the enemy ship. They cut off transmission, but we managed to make a copy. I think it's a feed from their bridge, sir. So we're finally going to see what the Romulans look like. Put it on screen, please, Mr. Spock. in the past, you know why I picked that particular clip, and there's the reason. Right there. Um, uh-huh. I got another clip that I picked for you guys. Yeah. I would be remiss as the host if I didn't play this. Drive now. Aye, that's the one. This is where the auto repair was getting hung up. Pretty fused. I do not need to remind you that we have less than two hours to restore phaser control to working order. I'm an engineer, not a medical worker, Mr. Falk. And no, that's not Hemmer that's talking to Mr. Spock, by the way. So, yeah, I had to get that one in there for you guys. Something to talk about. And uh, another clip I got for you guys here called Kirk versus Pike. Captain Pike, we need to talk now. You flinched. You deliberated. 
and we lost. We fired, Captain, and we were fired upon. That's why you're still here. From the start, you wanted to cripple them, not take them out. We may have different points of view, but do not question my combat readiness, Captain. I'm saying caution means you're not going to put everything you have into the punch. And that's a good way to lose, because your enemy will see that and act accordingly. All this because of a second's delay? Tell me I'm wrong, Captain. And I will back down. If you're saying you're more willing to take risks than I am, I don't disagree. And let me remind you that you're saying that on my ship after yours has been destroyed. Fair. I'm just saying, I underestimated him. I'm not going to do it again. So, um, I had a couple other clips, but we're running quick on time here, so I'm going to jump to one more. Uh, that I that I think it's overlooked a lot in this episode, and that would be called Una. Captain Patel. I didn't think we'd be seeing each other so soon. I know, Captain. And for the record, I'm sorry about this. What the hell is going on? Under Starfleet Code of Conduct 587.63. I am arresting Commander Unichin Riley for violations of our anti-genetic modification directive. She's an Illyrian press. I don't care what she is. She's I don't like it either, but I have orders. <gasps> Captain! Don't. I've known this might happen for years. I didn't ask for this job. I really am sorry. So am I. Because this isn't over. All right. So I had a couple other clips that I really, really, really liked. And, um, yeah, I just don't have time to play them because we're running short on time. One of the other clips I wanted to play for you guys was the first time in this timeline that Captain Kirk meets Mr. Spock. Of course, he's on the bridge of the Farragut, and Spock is on the bridge of the Enterprise. And another clip that I wanted to play for you guys was at the end when Captain Kirk walks in and Pike says, tell me about yourself. And he sits down and starts talking. And the first thing he says is, my father was the captain of the USS Kelvin. And I wanted to play that because I thought that was great to finally tie the Kelvin timeline, you know, into the prime timeline. I thought that was a great little nod. But we have so much to talk about here. So why don't we start off? Let's see. Who wants to start off here? Eric, Paul, Charles, David, Shannon. How about we let the well, ladies yes. kick this one off? You okay. want to start us off, Shannon? So what did you yes, think I about think the I episode? I think I know what the person... Well, first off, I will give it 9.9. Because you can't... Yeah, as we said before, you can't get a perfect one, but I really liked it. But the person who made a comment about the fact they thought it wasn't Pike-ish or something else going on, I think it's because in this other timeline, he's with another officer. So, you know... That's a Kirk thing where he sleeps with everybody. I don't think Pike sleeps with everybody. So he goes from his girlfriend to a few years later, he's got another girlfriend, you know, who's, who is actually, you know, the Khan descendant. So it's like, okay, it doesn't even make any sense in like three years. But, you know, we don't know what happened in those three years either. So. No. Or 10 years. How long is it before he dies? I think it was seven. Seven, okay, sorry, no, seven years. 
obviously her personality changed, but yeah, so because number one's not there, she becomes more friendly and I, I don't know, sleeps with them. I think that was the part the other person was talking about because that's just not, doesn't seem like tight to me. Yeah, it feels a little more like Kirkish, right? Right, that's what I was thinking because Kirk, that it would not even be a surprise. You know? Yeah. I yeah, can't see Pike just jumping in bed with somebody else. So. And, it, and it's too bad they brought that in. Like, I will totally agree with you, Shannon, because I don't, I feel like that's out of character, but mm-hmm. like, is that just yeah. Pike trying to, like, uh, enjoy the time he has left? Is that his, like, one guilty pleasure because all he's thinking <laughs> about is that? I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, trying to justify something I think is unjustifiable ultimately, but I all right. I just think that's not him. That's not his character at all. So Yeah. But the rest of it I thought was excellent, and I really enjoyed it, and I was watching a second time right before we came on, but I didn't get the whole second time watched through because I've been busy. But I thought it was it was my favorite episode other than the very end of it, obviously. They took Una away, but we knew that was going to happen. We, we knew that would well, happen. Well, she had to go some point. Yeah. Yeah, we knew. But she'll be back. Yeah. She's definitely going to be back. And, all right, Charles, why don't we swing on over to you? What did you think about it? Well, let's start off with the fact of the text I picked up from somebody as they started to, as they started to watch the episode. As he had to pause the pause the, the tape, the text to me and says, "Monster Maroons," mm-hmm. and I just say the Maroons. And it's like, wow, you knew right away something was going on. He's like, wait a minute, Pike could have never, Pike should have never worn the Maroons. And to see the Maroons, just yes, they did adjust them a little bit for the new time era. They adjust the shoulders a little bit to match the new uniforms. But to see him in that classic look, those maroons just look very sharp. Oh, down the line. I just thought about something the fact is something unique I don't think we'd ever thought about. Pike serving leftovers. You mean they actually reuse their food? They don't just sit there and <laughs> break it back down. I they think that's an excellent food. Yes. Charles, Go I'm ahead, so Eric. excited. I'm, I was just going to say I'm so excited you brought that up because I totally thought about that because I thought about what happens to Starfleet food if you don't finish your plate typically. Do you throw it out and it gets reconstituted? Does it get saved and and put into leftovers? And at least in terms of like, yeah, go ahead. We have a refrigerator? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right, right. And and at least in terms of Pike, like his whole je ne sais quoi is that he he gathers people by Mm -hmm. cooking, right? So I love the fact that he's got this like whole – leftover thing. Sorry, Charles, to break in, but I just wanted to say I, one of my favorite like parts of this episode was like Pike and the leftovers. And the whole idea of leftovers is is not a literal thing. Yes. I mean it's yeah. basically we're it's a way of it's a subtext in the dialogue to talk about the very nature of this episode and what they're doing. Mm. Right? They're not talking oh, yeah. about the 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 what Patel says about the the base. 
what's leftovers into something new. That's what they just did with this idea of taking an old episode and reinventing it in a yeah. new and entertaining way. Leftovers reference. That's why it's in mm-hmm. there, pinging off of you know what, uh, as Eric's is saying. That's the nature of of Pike, because he's an old school guy. He watches you know hundred year old movies on a black and white TV set. He actually makes food. He doesn't use a replicator. So I mean, it, it's it's clever and well done. Well, we talk about the fact of going to Admiral Vance's comment in Discovery in the future, where they re rematter everything, putting waste. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you kind of wonder what we do with food at this time period. And it's like somebody actually uses leftovers. Wow. And you're right, Paul. I hadn't thought about the fact that we're kind of reusing this episode. In a way, but it's an interesting way of doing it. Okay. Yeah, the dialogue is like a wink to the audience there, really. Totally. But people kind of talk about Kirk and that James Kirk wasn't quite James T. Kirk. I think in this episode, he's not meant to be. I think I look at it as this is a Kirk that stayed in the Farragut. He never got his crew, he never got the crew from Enterprise. He never got that motion to kind of work with that crew and become friends with we don't know who his doctor is. We know he doesn't have a connection with Scotty. He doesn't have any connection with Spock. So chances are he doesn't have the connection with Bone. He doesn't have those tie-ins that he's got in the Prime Universe in the proper but timeline. You know, Charles, I think that's a, that's perfect because the original Star Trek was always based on the triad where you you had Kirk in the middle and you had the the emotionalism of McCoy on one side and then you had the logic of Spock on the other side and they tempered Kirk in the middle and that helped to make him into the captain he becomes. What happens to that captain if you take those things away? Is he exactly. still he's is not he, the same he's not the same captain. He's a slightly different person. So I kinda like how they adjust they change Kirk a little bit in this sense. But that also fact that he sits there and hugs his brother on board ship. Well, we never got that on there because his brother left Starfleet and moved to another planet with the family. He wasn't still on board. So you see a lot exactly. of how things changed because Pike stuck around. And I think one of the one of the scenes that I think really caught me and a smile on my face was at the end where he's talking to where Pike is talking to Spock and Spock's like he understands what's happened and the fact that well Pike has to give up his life for somebody else and Spock's like what somebody we know yes and I think Spock realizes it's him that Spock is important in the timeline and that we're going to lose Spock because we kept Pike. 
and this and the and it's Spock is like, I don't know why, but I need to thank you. And I thought that was really an interesting spot because we don't think about the fact the importance Spock has in the future, but what he did, and what he does with Star Trek Two, what he does with Star you, Trek Four. Did you also notice, Charles, that that as different as Kirk was, did you notice how Ethan Peck played this Spock different than he well, than he plays him on Strange Ethan, New Worlds? Well, Ethan, he played, Ethan talks about he Ethan talks about how he has it's difficult to play the part, and he think I think he realized suddenly in this case. He knew how to play Spock. <clears throat> exactly. He could model himself over the he modeled himself over the Spock from the original episode. He was able to make himself more like Spock, like Leonard Nimoy because he could replicate and try doing what Nimoy did. Yep. Exactly. I also love the point that he uses the Pike says, do the mind meld. Let's not worry about medically. Let's try to mind meld. See what you see with what's going with me. And I thought that gave the fact that that Spock realized there was an issue and why there was a problem. So overall, what would you you score this episode um, overall? (laughs) Oh. I think I'm going with about where the fans were, and I think about where I did some of the season. I think I'll go with a 9.8. 9.8, that's respectable. How about you, David? Hey, yeah. Oh, man. This episode is uh, definitely one of the best ones out there. <clears throat> First of all, I kind of wanted to actually mention a couple things. Um, did you guys notice when they found who the Romulan looked like for the very first time and Ortega's turn and they shined that light in her eye like they did in the original episode? Um, that was awesome. Absolutely yeah, so, awesome. Yeah. Also, um, there was another little one, too, that I was trying to say. But, oh, well, anyways, overall, yeah, I totally liked this episode. I, I liked the fact that it wasn't technically a time travel episode. It was more of a conscious time what travel if? episode. A what? What, what if? if? A what yep. if, yeah. So I thought that was a pretty cool uh, twist. Um, other than that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm liking every little bits and pieces of this thing that you guys all talked about, and I, uh, I definitely give this one... Oh, man, if I could go higher than 10. <laughs> um, how about this? I'm going to give it a golden 10. How about that? A golden 10, like 10 chocolate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this one's definitely my favorite episode of the whole thing. All right. How nice. about you, Paul? You got anything you want to add that we haven't touched on? Yeah, um, I'd rather talk about the, the way it was written. 
you know, and the fact that the, mm. how well they were able to uh, incorporating the dialogue and the moods of the uh, original Bounds of Terror episode, right? Um, it was really interesting the way they chose to focus on Eric Ortegas as the stand-in for Lieutenant Stiles, as like the person who has the kind of, you know, reactionary racist reaction when she sees that the Vulcans look like the Romulans. I thought that was extremely interesting because she's normally just like so good-natured and loves everybody right. and you're a good buddy. And all of a sudden weird. she's just like, you know, she's ready to, you know, get the pitchfork and the torches for Spock, right? It was a really interesting dynamic there to kind of imply not just that things are different, not just that Kirk never got that command, but it's almost kind of implying that the, there's a little bit of a darker tone to this reality in terms of what happened to people that perhaps they, they didn't, you know, soften or, or end up in the direction that they should have. So I thought that was really interesting. I thought this was a tremendously satisfying episode. Um, I, I went and I actually gave it a 10 for my rating um, just because it was so inventive. And I felt that the whole, the, the opening sequence of, you know, Admiral, uh, Pike come visit himself like that uh, was uh, a standout scene on a par with some of the best uh, next gen moments I thought in terms of like you know just really establishing as soon as you see the uniform you know what this means and it was just great really really well done um, they there were a lot of nice grace notes to the original uh, Balance of Terror episode um, you know you're never gonna replace Mark Leonard sorry but this guy was great did a really good job um, you know, again, I, I just thought the writing was super strong here with little things like the reference of leftovers to self-referential stuff to the, you know, rich character development, um, nice things like making the commander of the, uh, the outpost have a Middle Eastern uh, uh, descendant, you know, in terms of his lineage for his family. I thought that was really great. Again, that's, you know, Paramount Plus being super mindful of being inclusive at all times, very deliberately, which I thought was great. Um, so a really strong episode, really faithful to the spirit of the original series. Um, after the last couple episodes, I wasn't as high on this one really came through for me and, uh, and did a great job, despite the fact that I, I got to say, I'm not a fan of yet. I mean, we'll see, but I, I'm, I'm not digging the fact that they cast Jim Carrey as James T. Kirk. Um, I don't think that that worked. Uh, the guy looks like if, you know, in a, he'd fall over in a high wind. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's just, no one wants an imitation of Shatner. Let me be, let me be clear. Uh, nobody wants that. Right. But this man doesn't seem like he's got the gravitas and the charisma of a Kirk. I think he's more, the T is more Timothy than Tiberius, right? He seems like some kind of, of ineffectual little guy. And I'm like, you know, maybe that's part of the thing too. Maybe that's what they're saying is because things were different and because of influences and because there's the looming large shadow of Pike, maybe Kirk didn't really grow into the, you know, heroic, you know, commanding presence that we know. He stayed this little guy who was basically seems like he would be the guy that Finnegan beat up at the Academy not the guy who would bluff, you know, with Corbalite and, you know, take on the Klingons. It didn't, he didn't seem like that kind of James T. Kirk at all to me. So not real convinced that that's the, the, the casting I want to see legacy wise. I, I don't think Paul Wesley should plan on his own series anytime soon. I don't think that's happening, but we'll see. I could be wrong. I'm wrong all. I just don't like to admit it. 
but, <laughs> but still, <laughs> a classic episode, a, a wonderful – this has been a unique series. This has been a really, uh, for a lot of folks, a super, super breath of fresh air for a lot of the legacy original series fans who not dug some of the other uh, – I, I don't count myself among them. I love all the, uh, the new Paramount Plus shows quite a bit. Discovery especially. Um, but there's been a lot of fans who've just been really like, you know, felt neglected and they felt that they didn't have something they could relate to. Uh, the older fans in particular, I think a lot of fans like that. And this really brought a lot of people back and kind of, you know, created uh, seats for everyone at the table again and brought a lot of folks back and to have them end strongly. Like this is Absolutely. just marvelous, marvelous uh, that they did that. And I've read a couple of interviews with uh, cast members, and the the thing that's interesting about them is they all have been saying the same thing. They're like, wait till you see the scripts for season two. Season two is wrapped, and apparently the actors are super high on the writing that, that's going into the season that's coming next year. They're really excited about it, feel that that's where they really got their sea legs. And uh and uh, and the wind in their cell. So I'm super excited about that. Kudos to everyone on the show. Um, magnificent job and a great way to end the first season of this, uh, uh, you know, legacy storage show. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that they pulled it off. And Eric, with that, we turn to you. Uh, yeah, not too much more to say. I'll just say that I'm very interested in the, handing off of all the engineers as we go here. Uh, you know, obviously we got a, a what if scenario here. So maybe we got Scotty seven years in the future, a little earlier than we would normally have gone. Uh, I'm wondering what happens post Hemmer. Uh, so uh, I also feel like this episode, like one of the things in Star Trek that, um, that bugs me is when they play fast and loose with the mind meld. To me, that is one of the most intimate things that two people can do. And so when a, a mind meld is kind of like, yeah, we're just going to mind meld. Doink, there it is. Um, it always bugs me just a little bit. So I couldn't go quite 10 on this one. Um, I'm also a little frustrated by the fact that Pike can't find his way out of his destiny, I guess. And so... Strange New World seems to be telling the story that uh, when you have a destiny... Uh, it is a thing and you cannot avoid it. And so therefore there it is and just embrace it and go for it. So I don't, I, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. Still, all of those negative things being said, I just want to say that I did rate this episode about a 9.3. I thought it was really, really excellent. Um, it just like, it, it does leave some questions for me that doesn't, that don't quite make it a 10. So there you go. 9.3 from me. Well, the, uh, first of all, I liked how they tied it into Discovery with the Klingon time crystals. You know, there you have it. You know, no slingshotting around the sun stuff. Klingon time crystal from Star Trek Discovery, boom, done. End of story. So that was cool. But the the, Kling, the monks on Borat told him that once he touched the crystal and accepted his fate, it could not uh-huh. be altered. They told him that when he yep. did it. Yep. And he accepted yep. the consequences and agreed to it. So... Um, there, there he knew it, and there you have it. So, all right, I really love the music. That's why I played that clip. The, the homage to the music in the original was phenomenal. We never got to see Outpost Four. We did in this episode. Loved it. The Romulan Armada. Wow, they have more than one ship. Who, who knew? <laughs> and some cool looking ones that we, at least I haven't seen before, too. 
Yeah. yeah they those for Star Trek Attack Wing. Yeah. yeah I thought that was so yeah. cool. Uh, we get to see the Praetor. Who knew? All right. That was awesome, too. Um, they should have had James Frain play the Romulan commander, I thought. Yeah. Because yeah. Mark, who played who played Sarek in TOS, played the Romulan commander in Balance of Terror. They should have had James Frame, who played Sarek at Discovery, play the Romulan commander in this episode. That would have been a great homage, not a negative. I'm just saying that, that I would have jumped off the couch three times if they did that. That well, was awesome. and, and and Jim, I will say that like okay, so we, we this guy was okay. Uh, did you notice that they were all northern Romulans with the? They were, uh, they, I, I was going to say that they they grew ridges. Um, I talked yes. to Charles. Well, they were northern and, and, yeah. and texting uh, that they they grew ridges. Uh, not that I okay. give a crap. I really no, honestly. But the card sets the stage for that, so we're we're legit but, in terms of canon. Yeah, I mean they huh. they just did that, and that's fine. You know that 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 it is what it is. But um, Ohora was wearing green hoop earrings. Did anyone notice that? And her and the and the communication device. And, yes, uh, they weren't the huge as pronounced hoop earrings as Nichelle wore, but they were still green hoop earrings like she wore in that episode. I thought that was. Yeah. That they paid really good attention to that detail. That just, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, the scene where they find out that Romulans look like Spock, the way the camera starts on Styles, I mean, starts on Ortegas and goes yeah. dun, 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 dun. And each person it's turns bad. their head in unison as the camera goes around, zooms in on Spock, and he gives you the eyebrow. Oh my God, right out of the episode. <laughs> Just, it's, just, true, Jim, but, it's true, but they don't give us the best line from that episode, which is the, the there's no place for bigotry on our bridge thing, which I guess is in like just implied. But to me, that's one of the absolute best lines ever from Balance of Terror. Well, that's, you know, that's because uh, like I think it was Paul that said that Ortegas plays the character of Styles in this particular version. Well, and um, weird. Yeah. It's a little different uh, so, to have her actually play that character. Yeah, it's a little weird. weird it's choice. a little bit weird. So I don't know how they could have fit that that in there without altering this character completely. So, but I did like the way they did that scene. It was it was perfectly recreated from the Balance of Terror. Also, the beginning when the Romulans blow up the outpost and Hanson's, can you see it? Can you see my smash mm-hmm. outpost? And the fires in the foreground, it's like perfect. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It is mind blowing. Yeah, I I couldn't have. Which is why I loved it so much. (laughs) It was perfect. The Romulan bird of how did they? Okay, how did they know it was a bird of prey? They never said the name of the ship ever, and they kept referring to it as a Romulan bird of prey. But listen, in the original series, Styles says that they have a bird of prey painted on the hull. So they, they do know that much from back 100 years ago. It's just, uh, no one ever said it. They just started calling it that. I was like, that's a bit weird. But again, just minor. Um, yeah, I also got another just, little nitpick thing. Um, the ship. Have you guys noticed when, 
Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say, if you guys noticed that when Cook was on the Farragut and he was warping to the outpost, did you guys notice how fast he said they were going? He said they pushed warp warp nine as far hard as long as they could, I think yeah. he said. Yeah, I, I thought they couldn't go warp that fast during that time because even Cook couldn't achieve warp seven for a lot of the time. I thought, wasn't that uh, a thing? Totally agree with you, David. You have to realize that warp is one of those things that in TOS is a bit malleable because we definitely have episodes where, you know, people are going warp 14. We definitely have episodes where the Enterprise uh, can't go faster than warp seven. And then we sort of like, it settles down a little bit in TNG where they make 10 the upper limit, but you, you are 100% right. Um, the speed like the cannon speed, the warp cannon speed <laughs> for the Enterprise is a little bit malleable. I like to think that yeah. it's not warp nine because the whole thing about the Enterprise D was that that ship could actually maintain like warp 9.9 for in like longer amounts of time. It was supposed to have some badass engines compared to the older versions. So I don't yeah. want to take anything oh. away from the Enterprise D. I, and I, I think you're right. I think you're totally right. Uh, well, that's just one thing I wanted I, to get out of the way. <laughs> I thought the Romulan bird of prey looked outstanding. Absolutely. And when they fired the plasma weapon, you could see the energy build up. It was just, just. It was just like Belvedere. It was awesome. It, it, it looked just outstanding. I was very, very impressed. The USS Fairgot. Now, okay, were you guys under the impression that that was a Constitution class ship? Because we never saw it. But the only ships we ever saw on TOS were other Constitution-class ships. Um, But the Farragut clearly was not a Constitution-class ship, um, which I I didn't bother me, but some fans on a lot of other pages were complaining about that. But I I thought the Farragut... Yeah, I mean, the first time we ever... So, Jim, the truth is that the first time we ever actually see a USS Farragut on screen is actually in TNG, and it's a Nebula-class vehicle. So, like, you know, it depends on where you're taking your cannon from. Are you taking it from Star Trek Online? Are you taking it from Strange New Worlds? Are you taking it from the books? The Farragut, to me, could be one of at least three different classes. Well, either way, I thought it was the same name over and over. They do. Yeah. They use it over and over again. There's at least three different Farraguts out there. So I thought the Farragut was cool, actually. So I, I like yeah. that. And uh, I, I thought that um, when, when remember in the original one when, when uh, Kirk says, if only we could get squeeze off one phaser shot because the plasma could be ignited by a phaser, but they didn't have phasers, so they couldn't do it. And this one, the Enterprise is firing their phasers, and it's not igniting the plasma. Uh, I was like, okay, not a biggie, but they missed that one. But that being said, I loved this episode. Absolutely just loved it. It was – oh, and Una, let's not forget about Una. At the end of the episode, Una gets taken away for being on Illyrium, and she goes to I prison. Know, so- so we start the series looking for Una, and we end the series looking for Una. Yep. Hmm. So Una's gone, and um, uh, what was he? Captain Kirk. So I I didn't want to see him play William Shatner 
Um, I just didn't <laughs> want to see that. And as I said to Charles, I think that this is a version of Kirk that hasn't had the experience of Spock and McCoy to learn from because face it, we're all, we're all some of our parts. And so, you know, when you have Kirk there and you have him surrounded by the crew, I've said it on the show, you know, we're, we are the crew of truck talking. And when you change any ingredient in that stew, it changes everything. So I'm thinking that, that Paul Wesley's Kirk, like Charles said, didn't have the knowledge of Spock, the human humanitarianism of McCoy, you know, the engineering prowess of Scotty, you know, to lean on. He, he learned from a different crew, hence a different character. I think next time we see him, he may be more along the lines of the Kirk that everybody was expecting. So I, I, and yeah. I didn't really. So at any rate, I gave this episode a, a, a like a 10 down the line. Absolutely loved it. So that's that's my take on it. Anybody want to add anything before we wrap things up? Uh, yeah, I do. I got one one little nitpick. <laughs> um, okay. Why are they firing phasers like Star Wars? What happened? I thought it was supposed to be a streamline of laser beams. No, so so you got to go back, David, because uh, in the original series, that is the way that phasers were done, and it wasn't until Next Generation that they became the kind of constant stream of energy that comes off of the, the, the saucer there. So um, the, the pew pew is totally consistent with TOS. Really? If you look at them firing in TOS and they said they're firing phasers, it yep. actually looks like they're firing photon torpedo. Yep, and it comes they from that little dome on the bottom of the saucer. Yep, totally. Hmm. Yeah, and and, and, uh, so, and Spock, um, Spock is the reason that the whole thing has to happen because Spock dies, and we can't have Spock die because if Spock dies, that changes all of Star Trek as we know it. So. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. So one at any thing, rate, one thing, um, I, one thing I thought was funny was one comment I heard is somebody who is a bigger lower decks fan said, "Hey, but we thought of the idea first. Strange New World is going to have to go find Una, while Lower Decks is trying to find the captain. Freeman, because both yep. got taken away. Interesting. So." I, I, I want to say I want to say thank you so much to our very own Shannon. We haven't heard from Shannon in a while, but it's great to hear from Shannon, and uh, she's always welcome to call. By the way, and we got to say thank you to, to our very own Ray calling from the Bronx. Represent, brother. We really love to hear from you, Ray. And I also want to say thank you to Anna, who's in Portland, listening to us tonight. So thank you so much to Anna for tuning in and listening. We appreciate that greatly. And Always thank you so pleasure. much. For, thank you. Uh, yeah, we, we love, we love to have you with us. Absolutely. And uh, we definitely got to say thank you so much to our very own David, the donut guy for hanging out with us tonight. Hey. Thank you, David. <laughs> You're welcome. It was fun. <laughs> and uh, of course we can't forget our very own Charles. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight, Charles. 
Oh, thank you. And by the way, as always, may ask, the group score was a 9.8. Which is pretty much above the fans. We were above the fans. That's cool. And, of course, thank you to Paul, the wine guy, for sharing his insights with us. Thank you so much, Paul. And, of course, the birthday boy himself. Thank you for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I had a great time. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun, as always. Um, next week, we're going to be talking uh, about Star Trek fan films. I forgot the title of the fan film. But uh, Joshua Michael Irwin's going to be with us. And uh, we're going to be talking about their new fan film, which is a Vulcan-based fan film. And I can't recall the name. And we're also going to have Mike with us from... Fandom Fast, which we played a, a commercial for a couple of times on this podcast, talking about that awesome convention. That'll be next Thursday. And um, make sure you go over to our Facebook page, Trek Talk and Beyond, and uh, give us a like, give us a follow, tell us where you're from. And as always, guys, please be good to each other and stay safe. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.